Hey, it's Kate. We're off today for Memorial Day, but we wanted to share an episode we made last year. It's based on a Wall Street Journal series that just won the Pulitzer Prize for investigative reporting. Here it is. If you're a senior official in the federal government, you have to fill out what's called a financial disclosure form. It's a list of financial interests and investments, things like stocks. And the goal is to make sure that officials don't have conflicts of interest, that financial transactions aren't influencing decision-making. So going back uh, for decades, since 1978, every government agency has compiled every year a report on the financial ownership, financial stocks and trades that their top agency officials have, have made. These documents are also supposed to be publicly available. But in most cases, they're not online. And they're actually really hard to find. Those documents have gone into a stack somewhere in a file case and the, someone's locked the door and no one's ever seen them. And so no one's really ever looked at these documents. So I thought, wow, if, you, if we go look at them, you know, we might find something. That's our colleague Brody Mullins. My sort of longtime hypothesis as a reporter is the harder it is to find information, the more likely you're going to find something good. Also, if there's a stack of documents somewhere that no one's looked at in a long time, there's probably a story there. It turns out there was a good story there. And um, once we got them, we found out that people who worked in the government trade a lot of stocks and own a lot of stocks in um, issues that their agencies were in charge of regulating. We found people at the Environmental Protection Agency who owned oil and gas stocks. We found people at the Federal Communications Commission who owned communication stocks. We found people at the Department of Defense who are buying defense contractors. We found people at the Food and Drug Administration who are investing in food and drug stocks. You know, it's pretty remarkable what we uh, came up with by pouring through all these filings. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. Coming up on the show, the hidden records that show how thousands of federal officials own stock in companies that their agencies oversee. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Our colleague Brody Mullins first started looking at conflicts of interest in government a little over a decade ago. I'd been writing stories about the stock holdings of members of Congress and their staff and their spouses and their family members. And those stories show that members of Congress, uh, no surprise, you know, own lots of stock in companies that they create rules and regulations and laws for. After Brody and his colleagues started writing stories about conflicts of interest in Congress, Congress changed the law and made it harder for lawmakers and their staff to own stocks. They're still allowed to, but it, they changed the law somewhat. 
They banned uh, insider trading on Capitol Hill. And it's not just Congress. Last year, the Wall Street Journal investigated the judicial branch and found that more than 130 judges owned stock in companies that were appearing in their courtrooms. And it made me realize that, you know, we have never really looked at the third branch of the government, the executive branch, you know, the president, White House, uh, and all the executive branch agencies and, and what their employees are doing with their stocks. So it just seemed to me that we'd covered the two other branches and gotten a bunch of good stories, and it seems like we should look at the executive branch. Looking at the executive branch wasn't easy, though. So Brody started working with some colleagues. My name is John West, and I am on the team that worked on this investigation. My name is Chad Day. My name is James Grimaldi. My name's Joe Palazzolo. My name's Rebecca Ballhouse, and I'm on our investigations team. The reporters had to file hundreds of records requests across dozens of agencies. Eventually, they got their hands on more than 31,000 financial disclosure forms for about 12,000 officials, spanning from 2016 to 2021. I asked Rebecca Ballhouse, one of the reporters on the team, about what these documents are exactly. Yeah, um, every senior federal official is required to file these annual disclosure forms that show all their sources of income, all their assets, and all of their trades, and all of their liabilities. So that would be like student loans, for example. And these are forms that, that government officials fill out themselves, typically? They typically fill it out themselves. Sometimes they'll attach a statement from a financial advisor. I think in some cases they can ask for their financial advisor's assistance, but they're meant to be filled out by the official themselves. And what is the purpose of the document? The purpose of the document is that the way the government's ethics rules are designed are based on the idea that if you disclose something, then it it sort of takes away the issue. So the idea is that if you have transparency, you are much less likely to have a conflict. Or in some cases that, you know, because you've disclosed something, it's not a conflict. Mm-hmm. Even though these lists are generally hidden from public view unless you file official formal requests for them. Right. So that's sort of exactly why we wanted to look at these forms in the first place. Because since the federal ethics system is based on this idea of transparency sort of solves everything, the fact that a lot of these forms, you know, are in fact so difficult to get, a little bit undoes that argument. Once they got these documents, Rebecca, Brody, and their colleagues started analyzing them to look for patterns. And they found thousands of potential conflicts. There is this pattern of officials on the whole owning and trading companies that their agency is making policy that affects those companies. The trading was widespread. It took place across dozens of agencies and thousands of officials across both Democratic and Republican administrations. Their findings include things like how just when the government was ramping up scrutiny of tech companies... Over 1,800 federal officials reported owning or trading at least one of four major tech stocks, Facebook, Google, Apple, and Amazon. And how more than 50 officials at five agencies, including the Federal Trade Commission and the Justice Department, reported trading stock in companies not long before their departments announced enforcement actions. And that the Environmental Protection Agency? More than 200 senior EPA officials, nearly one in three, reported investments in companies that were lobbying the agency. At the Department of Defense, 
Officials in the office of the secretary or their family members collectively owned between $1.2 million and $3.4 million of stock in aerospace and defense companies on average during the years the journal examined. Of the 12,000 federal officials they looked at, more than 2,600 of them disclosed owning stock in companies that were lobbying their agencies. That's more than one in every five employees in the executive branch. Why should people care about this? I think there are a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, you want to have faith that government officials, especially this very wide set of officials that we're talking about who influence all kinds of different policies, you want to feel like those people are acting in the country's best interest, that they're they're not thinking about, you know, their personal finances, that they're thinking about what is best for Americans. And so I think when you see these investments that they're reporting, it calls that more into question, regardless of whether there is a specific conflict there or not. But I also think what we've heard from some people we've talked to is that a lot of people enter the government and sort of, they want to avoid the appearance of any conflict. They want to be super careful, so they just sell everything. And so the idea that there's some officials who decide not to do that, decide, you know, in some cases, decide that they're going to try and keep their holdings. I think a lot of people find that kind of distressing. What did the government agencies say about these findings? The government agencies, for the most part, emphasize that they have a process of looking for conflicts and they abide by the rules that are set by Congress, that are set by the Office of Government Ethics, and that that it's not up to them to sort of change those rules. How that process of looking for conflicts actually works? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. While federal law requires officials to disclose their investments, how that law is enforced is up to individual agencies. Different agencies have different rules beyond the federal law. So there are some agencies that actually have much stricter rules, like the Securities and Exchange Commission says officials can't trade in any stock of a company that's under SEC investigation, regardless of whether they're working on that investigation. So that is sort of a much harder rule to find a loophole in. 
Whereas at other agencies like the Federal Trade Commission, there is no such rule. So it's perfectly fine for officials at that agency who aren't working on an investigation to trade stock in the company that's under investigation. How are these laws and then subsequently the rules once each agency establishes them, how are they supposed to be enforced? Like what's the mechanism inside these agencies to keep track of these disclosures? The way it works is that officials file these disclosures every year and every month if they're trading. Uh, And then ethics reviewers need to go through every form and sign off that it complies with the law. But Rebecca and Brody say that ethics reviewers often just compare forms from year to year to watch for inconsistencies. What they're less able to do, because in many cases they don't know what officials exactly are working on, is to actually look for conflicts of interest. Because it's much harder for an ethics official at a very large agency who's going through thousands of forms, who doesn't know what people are working on, how do you find a conflict there? Especially if you're allowed to own stock in a company that is related to the agency's work in some way. It's hard for ethics officials to track these conflicts. And that's in part because ethics officials don't always have the insight into what a particular official is doing. The reviewer is not going to be in a position where they can kind of enforce that or or know that to begin with. And these ethics officials need to determine whether someone has a, a conflict or not based on a particular stock or index fund. And that's very hard to do, especially when you have no idea what that person's job is. A lot of this relies on officials self-policing their conflict. So it would be on the official to tell an ethics reviewer, you know, I'm working on this, so I shouldn't own stock in this company. When you spoke with people who own stock of companies that they had influence over regulations, what did they say about why they were owning these things? A lot of them said, I discussed these with ethics officials and they said it was fine. There are some people, including people in our story, who basically say, yeah, I was at the Defense Department and uh, I saw that we give out a lot of money to defense contractors. So I thought, hmm, it makes a lot of sense to buy stock in defense contractors. And, you know, I, I could see how that would look bad and I probably shouldn't have done that. And that was kind of amazing on, on one regard. There's other people who say, you know, I knew nothing about that. I have a financial advisor. They make all the trades. I have no idea what they're doing. Yes, every month I see the stock trades they make because I'm required to fill out these monthly stock trading reports with my agency, which means therefore they know what they're invested in as your job moves forward. And a lot of people said, I still am in compliance with the rules because the rules have lots of exemptions. There's something called an ethics waiver, which an ethics office can give an official if they decide their financial interest isn't significant or doesn't pose a problem. You know, for example, if you own less than $15,000 in stock in a company, it's not considered a conflict of interest under the law. So hypothetically, if you work at the Food and Drug Administration, you can buy $14,000 worth of Pfizer stock and be in compliance with the law. Rebecca says that when ethics reviewers do believe an official's not in compliance, they can issue a fine or refer the case to the Justice Department. But even then... We really struggle to find any instances where the Justice Department actually takes those cases. For the most part, they turn them down, often on the same day that they're referred. How can anyone be held accountable for having a conflict of interest then? 
Well, so it is a criminal law. So if you can prove that somebody, I believe, willfully violated the law, it does carry, I believe, up to five years of jail time and also financial penalties. So there is supposed to be a punishment under the law. It's just one that we very rarely see enforced. So the criminal law says that you are allowed to own stocks uh, in anything. You're just not allowed to work on matters that affect those stocks. But over the course of decades, the rules have gotten weaker and weaker, or maybe the compliance with the rules has gotten weaker and weaker because people know there's really no consequence. Someone's rung up for doing something wrong and they get like a slap on the wrist. So there's really no one getting in trouble for not following these rules. Why not just require that anybody that goes to work in government has to sell their stocks? Good question. I think I think there has long been kind of a debate about whether you can ban stocks outright in Congress or in the federal government. And I think the argument against it has always been that you don't want to discourage people from entering the federal government. And Congress has also made this argument that if you if they can't trade stocks, they'll be divorced from the economic interests of their constituents and that that won't be good for the functioning of the Congress. Uh, that argument certainly doesn't apply to the executive branch, but I think that is sort of the the idea that they've put forward. My big takeaway from this project is not that there are, you know, a bunch of malicious bureaucrats running around trading on their inside information, but it's the fact that the way the ethics system is structured, officials have a lot of leeway to trade as they want to. A lot of former government officials who work in ethics, even some current ethics officers have told us that they feel like the rules are not necessarily as tight as they should be. And that as more and more government officials own and trade stock over the years, the current rules are maybe not well adapted to the current situation. This episode was originally published last October. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Coulter Jones. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. Thanks for listening. See you then.